This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. This morning's scripture reading can be found in the book of Luke, chapter, it's going to begin in chapter 20, verse 45, and go through chapter 21, verse 4. Again, that's starting in Luke, chapter 20, verse 45. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Good morning. morning. It's a joy to be with you and just excited to celebrate the Lord's Day with you. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you'd have it open there to Luke chapter 20, where continuing the journey through Luke as Luke is pushing us towards the cross. He's, he's driving us to the place of, of our salvation, the place where Jesus takes our sin and nails it to the tree. Um, but just before we dive into our text, I just want to open in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we do come before You, and Lord, we are thankful for the grace, the mercy, the love, the way You care for us in every aspect of our being. Lord, we're thankful that um, You have sent Your Son to come to live, to die for sinners such as us. We've confessed our sin this morning, Lord, of of thinking too much of ourselves and, and seeing the reality of us to think much more of You. So Lord, we pray that while we sit under Your Word, that we would hear You, that we would adore You, that we would praise You, for You are worthy You are the Creator of all. You are the Sustainer of all. And yes, Lord, You are the Redeemer of Your church. And so, Lord, we are thankful for the gift of salvation. We are thankful for the way in which You, Lord, have have shown Your love for us. God, I pray that You would help us to love one another well. We know there are many in our our congregation that have been without power. There have been many who have uh, faced some physical struggles, uh, doctor's appointments, treatments, Um, Lord, I pray that You would minister to the needs of the people of this congregation as only You can. Lord, I pray that You would uh, strengthen us as a body to be mindful, uh, to be helpful, to use the abilities and gifts we have to care for Your flock, Your people. Help us to be ambassadors and witnesses in the community in which You placed us. Help us to point others to Christ, our chief joy. And Lord, we pray now, Lord, as we gather around Your Word, that um, our hearts would be warmed, that we would uh, experience what it is to be in the presence of the Lord, 
And so, Lord, I pray that You would protect my mouth. I pray, Lord, that I would not say anything more nor less than You've given me to say. But God, that I would be faithful to Your Word and that Your people would hear You this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Um, All of us, when we were in school or even in the homes that we grew up in, we were educated, we were trained, we were brought up. And one of the ways in which we were trained was the use of comparisons. Regularly, uh, we were encouraged to compare ourselves to standards that were set. In the mid-1990s, there was an athlete by the name of Michael Jordan. He set the standard for sports, specifically the sport of basketball. Uh, marketing companies quickly grabbed a hold of this and they began to market Michael Jordan in such a way that others could be desired to be compared to him. There was the Nike Air Jordans called Flights. The idea was if you bought the right pair of shoes, you too might be able to fly high and, and dunk and do some amazing things. But then there was a famous commercial, it was a Gatorade commercial that came out, and in the, the line of it was, I want to be like Mike. How many of you remember that this morning? I want to be, there we go, I want to be like Mike. Listen to the lyrics of this little, little, little song. Sometimes I dream that he is me. We've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream, I move, I dream, I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike, oh, if I could be like Mike. Again, I try just to fly. Just one day, if I could be that way. I dream to move. I dream to groove. I dream to be like Mike. If I could just be like Mike. Do you hear it? The comparison? In the age in which I was growing up, Michael Jordan was a hero for many kids in my neighborhood. I would watch them grab a basketball and go to the courts, and all of them would, would, would try to put on the moves of Michael Jordan to no avail. <laughs> no one in my neighborhood was dunking. No one in my neighborhood was doing the things that we saw Michael Jordan do, but we still all aspired to that standard. We all wanted to reach that level of comparison. Comparisons aren't bad. They, they set a standard for us. They begin to get us to work harder. In fact, Jesus, who taught and was known as the master teacher, He used comparisons often in His teaching. And that's exactly what we see Him doing this morning. He's offering comparisons. And why? Comparisons offer an opportunity for examination. Comparisons offer an opportunity for contemplation. Comparisons offer an opportunity for direction. The comparisons that Jesus offers offers first an opportunity for examine to say, look and see, what do you notice? What's happening here? And that's what we're going to see as Jesus has the disciples look. But it also offers this opportunity for contemplation. Not only what do you see, but do I do what they do? Am I doing the very things that they're either being praised for or condemned for? Contemplation. And then, of course, direction. Is that the way I should walk or shouldn't walk? 
Jesus was a master teacher, and if we're paying attention this morning, we're going to see Jesus' use of comparisons to teach us many things. He's going to show us through examination what is acceptable. He's going to force us to contemplate what are we doing, and ultimately, what should we be doing. And so we look this morning at the first comparison. It's found in chapter 20, beginning at verse 45. And again, I'm going to read it. It's not very long. It says, And in the hearing of all the people, He said to His disciples, So one of the things I want you to notice is Jesus is speaking, and He's speaking loud enough to be heard. He wants to be heard by all. And notice what He says in verse 46, Beware of the scribes. He's not ashamed to make this statement. Beware, beware of the scribes. And then He goes on to talk about what scribes do. He says, They walk around in long robes, And they love greetings in the marketplace and in the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at feast. They are the ones who devour widows. And they do this to, to accumulate their houses and their wealth. But he goes on to say, they do this also as a pretense in making long prayers for themselves. What is he saying? He's saying, look at these scribes. I want you to take notice of these individuals. What does he mean when he says they wear long robes? Well, many theologians believe it was referring to the tassels on the hems of their garment which showed their rendering of the commandments of God, their honoring of God's command. They wanted everyone to see by their long tassels how serious they were about their religion. They were wearing their religion for the world to see. What about this loving of greetings in the marketplaces? Well, they loved formal greetings. They loved for people to walk up and say, oh, most honorable, right? Most important, scribe. Most most knowledgeable, sir. They loved titles. They loved greetings that were in the marketplace for others to see so that others could take notice of who they were. They loved the best seats. They loved claiming for themselves the best seats. They wanted everyone to give them honor, and therefore they wanted everyone to notice that they should be honored. So in doing this, they provided for themselves the best seats. Yet all the while, Jesus says, they're busy devouring widows' homes. What a stark contrast. Those who wear religion outwardly, yet inwardly they're seeking to devour the weak. They're seeking to devour the weak. And then he mentions that They have a pretense to make long prayers. Jesus isn't saying praying long is bad. Jesus prayed all night in the garden. But Jesus is making it clear that they wanted to be heard for their many words. They wanted to be noticed for being religious. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's exactly where Jesus was driving His disciples and those people who were in his hearing that day. He was saying, look at these scribes, and I want you to note something about them. I want you to examine them, and then I want you to contemplate for yourself, do you do the same thing? Jesus never gives the word for it, but the description is clear. These individuals, these religious scholars were narcissistic. They were self-worshippers. They were prideful. They loved being puffed up. And they would go out of their way to puff themselves up. 
They loved to show off the religion so that others would respect them and honor them and pay them tribute. They were more worried about the outward appearance than their heart, and it displayed in the way in which they treated the least of these, the widows, the orphans, the needy. The Bible gives serious warning for those who are prideful. It says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before a destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Actually, it talks about the pride of leaders and why we should not use new converts as leaders. Listen to 1 Timothy. Paul's writing to young Timothy here in chapter 3, verse 6. He says, a leader must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit. And notice what will happen. He'll fall into the condemnation of the devil. Notice the direct correlation, the, the judgment. Or how about the idea of being teachers? That's what these scribes were. They were teachers. In James chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Repeated for you many times, the fear of falling into the condemnation of the devil. Destruction. Greater strictness. Hence, Jesus says, beware. Beware. This is the part where He moves from examination into contemplation. This is where Jesus begins to say, take notice of what they do and don't do it. He's not saying be afraid of these men like they're monsters, like they can hurt you. That's not what he means when he says beware. He's saying learn from them. Don't do what they do. Don't be prideful like them. Don't wear your religion outwardly, but have hearts of stone. The beware is that you can get hurt. You could be destroyed if you act like them. Look at verse 47 they will receive the greater condemnation. Do you notice the language there? The greater condemnation? As if hell wasn't bad enough. <laughs> if it, as if judgment wasn't enough. He actually goes on to say, they will receive a greater condemnation. Friends, we need to be clear that yes, one small sin <laughs> would keep anyone from the glory of the Lord and would send them to hell. But Scripture seems to teach there is greater condemnation for certain things. And here we're told there is greater condemnation. There is harsher punishment for those who are supposed to be religious leaders but are filled with pride. And Jesus is saying, you disciples, pay attention. Contemplate your own hearts. Examine what you see here. And then go and don't be like them. You don't want to receive their reward, do you? That's really what he's saying. You don't want to be like them. You don't really want what they're going to get, do you? That's the first comparison Jesus offers. But then Luke tells us Jesus immediately falls into a second comparison. Look at verse 1 of chapter 21. Jesus looked up, it's almost as though he was talking and his eyes gaze up, and as he looks up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, 
Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. The second comparison, while it is aimed at the rich and the widow, is still really about the widow and the scribes. Jesus looks up and He sees the rich putting in their gifts in the offering box, much like what we have in the back. And in their place of worship, there would have been about 13 worship places of, of, of offering that were boxes made available for people to give. And He was looking at one particular one. And as He's looking, He's seeing people come on their own free will and placing their offerings in. And He wasn't judging them for, for putting it in, but He wanted his disciples to notice something. A comparison. To examine the situation. And to really contemplate so that they could be given a different direction. What was it? It was about a poor widow who put in two small copper coins. Jesus says in verse 3, I tell you this poor widow has put in more than all of them. In this comparison, Jesus explains in verse 4 that the rich contributed out of their abundance. A more exact way to say this is that they gave out of their money abounding. (laughs) They had an overflow of money and they were giving it. But she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. She gave out of her lacking. I want to say something because I think sometimes this gets missed. There is something positive here. Even for the rich, what were they doing? They were giving. They were willingly giving. They were showing up to the temple and they were giving as was required. They were following Father Abraham who gave to the king priest Melchizedek in Genesis 14. They were following the law and the requirement of giving as given in Leviticus 27. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But the negative that Jesus wanted them to see was that the rich were really only giving out of what was comfortable. What was comfortable. In comparison, the widow was doing that what was uncomfortable. The widow was offering not only what she could, but even gave all she had. What a contrast compared to the prideful scribes who are seeking to devour such widows. Who are seeking to take what little she had for themselves. He or she was willing to give all she had to God. What a contrast. Friends, let me ask you something. Is it really honoring to God if we only give what is comfortable? If we only give what is convenient to us? Is not worship the idea of sacrifice? Think about that for a moment. Is it truly worshipful to only give what is comfortable or convenient? One of the things I, I share with the younger people a lot in our congregation is that worship is to be respectful and reverential towards God, for God is worthy. We should always be seeking to give God our best. They, they get tired of hearing me say that. But I'm constantly reminding them that to give to the Lord it does require sacrifice. The problem isn't new. The problem has been around forever. The book of Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, um, actually speaks. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says this, Will man rob God? 
Then God continues, yet you are robbing me. But some of you will say, how are we robbing you? And God responds, in your tithes and your contributions. Now chapter 3 starts in the middle. You go back to the very beginning of Malachi, and this is the picture that is given to us. Beginning of verse 6, it says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests, religious leaders? You despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? God responds, by offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offered blind animals in sacrifice. Is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show favor to you, says the Lord? You see what they were doing? They were, they were taking what was comfortable, what was convenient. They were taking the, the, the blind and the lame animals, and that's what they were sacrificing because it really didn't cost them anything. In the book of Malachi, the prophet asks, is that really honoring the Lord? See, the issue isn't about money. Don't miss this. The issue is about the heart. That's the issue. It's about the heart. And so Jesus says, look around, examine, but I want you to contemplate your heart. Compare it to the widow. One of the most interesting things in this whole picture is that if the widow would have given just one of the copper coins, do you realize she would have given 50% of all she had? But in Jesus' illustration and what he saw, what he wanted everyone to notice was that she didn't just give 50%. She gave the Lord all she had. Isn't that really the call for all of us? Again, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about our hearts. About truly giving the Lord everything. Jesus is teaching the disciples what they should and what they should not be like. Jesus is using a comparison of the scribes, the rich, and a widow. Jesus is creating a visual for them to show them what disciples who are not truly true to the Lord look like versus a disciple who is truly following the Lord. What's interesting is none of this is new. The Apostle Paul talked about this. In fact, in his day he saw it because he saw the last days unfolding before his eyes and yet the last days continue. Listen to what he writes to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1-7 through and compare it to what we saw in this text. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. What a comparison. It's not new. It was in Jesus' day. It was in Paul's day. And we see it in our our day. And Jesus is saying, take notice. Contemplate your own heart. 
Is it you? So the question is, how do we compare? In the contemplation, we have to begin to ask, where do we measure up? Jesus is offering us an opportunity to compare before it's too late. Are you like the scribes filled with pride? Are you like the rich who in religion was giving out of convenience and comfort? Or were you like the widow who gives out of a true heart 100% of all that she has? This weekend I was at a conference and Dr. Phil Riken, who I greatly appreciate, stood at the podium and shared uh, many, many truths. And he shared this particular story, which is a true story. It was a story of a newlywed couple that went to a Presbyterian missions conference. And during the conference, a challenge was offered for those to stand who were truly willing to go wherever God called them. The new husband quickly stood up, and his wife, however, sat there, and she wrestled. Later on, after some debriefing and contemplation of her own, she acknowledged that the reason she was not able to stand was her love for all of her new wedding gifts. She explained she just could not find the heart to willingly be willing to walk away from her new kitchen set. Well, we kind of laugh at that. Like, not willing to give God for a kitchen set? How many things get in our way of truly giving God everything? How many things do we love more than we love God? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Friends, Scripture is very clear. Jesus willingly left the glory of heaven to save us. Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 5-8 through 8 says, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not account quality with God a thing to be held onto. That's what the word grafts there means. Held onto. But what did he do? He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Why? For you. For you. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In Jesus' own ministry, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus told His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Friends, the truth of the matter is a disciple is one who's willing to live for Christ but a disciple is also one who's willing to die for Christ. Living and dying are the same thing. That's what it means to be a true disciple. That's what it means to truly let the Lord have your heart. Jesus was willing to die for His bride. Are we equally willing to die for Him? Can we give Him truly anything less? We are called to give all of ourselves. No marriage would ever stand if both parties said, I'm going to give 50%, you give 50%. <laughs> Those of you in this room are way smarter than me and you know marriage takes 100% from each party. The same is true 
in our relationship with the Lord. The marriage between the groom, Christ, and the bride. The idea that we must give our all. So I ask you this morning, how does your heart compare? Are you truly and fully in love with Christ? Or are you just going through the motion? Yes, you show up every Sunday. Yes, you tithe. Yes, you give. But do you give just out of your comfort and convenience? Or does your giving actually cost you something? The call is to be the Lord's 100%. We're to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. Do you hear it? All. Not some, not most, not part. But we are to love the Lord with all. This comparison that Jesus has placed us in front of is one that calls us to examine, to contemplation, and it offers direction. It teaches us where we should go and how we should live. But friends, Jesus is also saying to disciples, I'm going to be leaving, and it's important to know where do you stand. For us, it's important for us to know that Jesus will be returning And the question is, where do we stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close our Bibles, as we walk away from this challenge this morning, I pray, God, that we're searching our hearts, that we're seeing the examination You've placed before us, that we're contemplating where we stand. And Lord, I pray that we would follow the direction that You have offered. I pray, Lord, that we would live for You, that You would have all of us and not some of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said. Amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.